0: Hey everybody, this is Krista Stilwell, Communications Assistant at LFCN. Thanks for listening to the podcast. It's a glimpse into the life of our church. We are ordinary people being transformed into passionate followers of Jesus who join with God in the remaking of all things. We pray that what you hear is a blessing and helps you join God today. If our church can help you and serve you in any way, please drop us a line at 765-447-7655. Enjoy the serving. Today, we're going to be in Proverbs chapter 4. I know you just sat down. We like to honor the reading of God's word by standing up. So stand back up with me one more time. Proverbs chapter 4, beginning with verse 20. Words will be on the screen for you this morning. My son, the Proverbs writer says, my son, pay attention to my words, bend your ear to my speech. Don't let them slip from your sight. Guard them in your mind. They are life to those who find them and healing for their entire, entire body. More than anything you guard, protect your mind, your Bible translations say, your heart. For life flows through it. Have nothing to do with a corrupt mouth. Keep devious lips far from you. Focus your eyes straight ahead. Keep your gaze on what is in front of you. Watch your feet on the way, and all your paths will be secure. Don't deviate a bit to the right or to the left. Turn your feet away from evil. This is God's word for us this morning. You can be seated. I want to start off by showing you an image. This is a well-known building in our country. This is actually Fort Knox. This is Fort Knox. And uh, for uh, many of us, Fort Knox might not mean anything. As a, You might think it's just like another army base. But Fort Knox is actually where the United States Department of Treasury keeps their gold bullion reserve. In fact, it's estimated that 3.2% of all of the gold that's ever been produced in the history of the world is stored in this one building. And... As you can imagine, for something so valuable, Fort Knox has an intricate and a powerful system intended to guard the contents of that safe. There's stored. Nobody really is 100% sure about how the system works, but we know bits and pieces. We know that there are granite walls that are 20 feet thick that are reinforced by more granite doors, we know that to open the vault to Fort Knox requires ten different people who each have a code that has to be entered in sequential order. If you have nine, but not the tenth, it doesn't open. We know that there are 24-7, 365 days out of the year, armed guards who watch and guard the contents of this safe, and we know that no human being now these days even touches the gold anymore because the gold is moved around on pallets by robots. But, you know, the robots are going to come and overtake the world, so that makes me a little bit scared. All of that is designed to guard that gold, to keep it safe. In times of war, like when Pearl Harbor was bombed, the most important historical documents of our country were actually transported from museums and safekeeping into that vault in Fort Knox. It is where our country keeps its most valuable possessions, its treasure. You, you, each and every single one of you, you and I, we have something that is worth a Fort Knox level of protection. And I think we take it for granted. It's our heart. Our heart. Proverbs chapter 4 verse 23. Above everything else, guard or protect your heart. And when we talk about heart in kind of like modern English American culture, We most often these days when we talk about our heart, we're talking about like our emotions or our feelings. So when people draw hearts these days, they draw them on love notes. Or when people give the hard eyes emoticon to some text message reply or some social media post. It's some sort of feeling-oriented thing because we've come to associate our heart purely with emotion. But according to the Bible, the understanding of the heart is so much broader than that. When the Bible uses the word heart, the Bible isn't meaning hard eyes or it's not meaning a heart on a love note. It's meaning something else. So biblically speaking, the heart is the location of our emotions for sure, but it's also this place of mystery. So the Bible talks, especially in the book of Proverbs, about the heart of the sea. And when they're talking about the heart of the sea, they're not talking about the heart eyes of the sea. They're talking about the the center, the source of the sea, this place of mystery where no one has been able to explore before and actually is a little bit terrifying. When the Bible talks about the word heart, they don't just mean some place of mystery. They also mean like a place of reason. It's where decisions are made. Decisions are made not in your brain in the Bible. Decisions are made not in your head. They're made in your heart. It's the location of someone's will. It's what we want and what we desire and what we want and what we desire. That is where our heart Is found. I love how the biblical scholar Hans Walter Wolff, he's a German, you have to pronounce it like that. Hans Walter Wolff, I love how he says it. Should have this quote on the screen for you. The Bible primarily views the heart as the center of the consciously living person. Our hearts, your heart, my heart, that is the center of our life. So when the Bible talks about your heart, what they're really talking about is that place that's deep inside of you. It's the place that makes you who and what you are. It's a place that's in the center of your life. And so the verse that we're highlighting this morning says, guard your heart. Guard your heart. Verse 1 of Proverbs chapter 4 says, Hear, O son, a father's instruction. It's like a dad passing along words of wisdom to his son. And what is the dad saying? The dad is saying to us, we get to listen in, this is how life works. After a lot of years, I just want to tell you something. What is really important, what's most important is to guard your heart above everything else with diligence and with vigilance. Guard it because it's the center of your life and out of your heart flows your entire life. So here's what I think we have to understand. Our culture has located the center of our being from our heart to our head. The Bible says the core of who we are is to be found in your heart. So guard it. Guard it. And the language of that verse in Proverbs chapter 4 is actually more urgent than that. It's more urgent than that. Literally, the Hebrew text says, more than all vigilance, guard your heart. Or more than all protecting, keep your heart. Or more than all other guarding, guard your heart. It's emphatic. It's an emphatic urging to us. It's a powerful command. You must do this above anything else. Guard your heart. Why? Why is it so urgent? I think it makes sense to us. I mean, we guard to us What's valuable? Worthless things, we don't guard them. So um, in our neighborhood, our trash day is on Thursday. So most Wednesday nights, I take, you know, the big old container of trash out to the curb. And I leave it there all night long, completely unprotected, wide out in the open, Anybody could come and take it if they wanted to. It sits on the sidewalk all night long, completely unguarded. Why? Because it's worthless. It's trash. During the summer months, um, usually we have some projects going on in the garage or the kids and the bikes and all the stuff. So during the summer months, I park the car, my car, in the driveway Now, if y'all know my car, I don't drive a nice car. I mean, um, when the calendar year um, turns to January 1st, 2019, the car that I drive will be 20 years old. It's not a nice. It's not a nice car. But it's nicer than the garbage on my curb. So when I'm done with it for the day and I go inside, I lock it. I guard it because even though it's not all that valuable, it's kind of valuable to me. And you probably lock your car too. So above the level that you lock or protect your car, the writer of Proverbs says, guard your heart. More than you make sure or ensure the safety of the vehicle that you drive that gets you from point A to point B, guard your heart. I mean, When you left this morning to come and gather to church, and we're really glad that you left and that you came and that you gathered, but when you did, you probably locked your apartment or you probably locked the door to your house because it's it's worth a lot to you. More than that, the writer of the Proverbs says, more than you care to ensure the safety and the well-being of the contents of your home, guard your heart. You, if you're like me, you, you have a, a smartphone, and that phone probably has some numeric or a thumbprint or these really fancy ones these days like recognize your face. How creepy. Uh, they recognize your face so that somebody who's just passing by and they happen to see your phone, they can't open that thing up and, and get, get, get access to all your stuff. More than you guard the contents of your cell phone, the writer of the book of Proverbs says, above that, more than that, with more vigilance and diligence than that, guard the contents of your heart. Uh, You probably have a bank account. Your bank account is probably able to be accessed online. And you probably have to enter in some crazy alphanumeric code to enter into the contents of your bank account asterisks and capital letters and lowercase letters and, and you have to change it so often that you forget what you changed it from, so then they have to send you an email. That whole thing, more than that, more than you guard the contents of your bank account with more vigilance and diligence, guard your heart. If you have children, especially um, if you've had a first child, and when you, when, you have, when you have your first child, you think they're kind of fragile, like anything and everything can break them. Or like you're constantly scared to death you're going to lose them. So you like take them to the playground because it's the first kid and you take them to the playground. And, and they're here and you're right next to them. You know, making sure they don't eat the dirt. Or they start to climb on the playground and your hands are like inches away from their body. Because you're scared to death they're going to fall off that thing. They grow up a little bit more. And you take them to an amusement park and it's the first kid. And you get the thing that has the leash on the kid. You know, because you, you can't lose the kid. You need the leash for the kid. There's no shame in the kid leash. Or they grow up and they get their own phone. And so now, now they have like a tracking device on their body at all times. And so you have apps on that phone that totally lock the thing down, except it tells you where they are at all times. And you know if they're driving, if they're also texting. You know that. So that when they get home, you can say to them, hey, you can't do this more than you guard the well-being of your children. More than that, with more vigilance than that. The writer of the book of Proverbs says, Above all else, guard your heart. Make this the most important priority of your entire life. Why? Because from it, out of it, flows life. Life flows from it. It's most important to guard and to protect your heart Because the heart is the center of your body. It's the center of your being. And out of that center flows life. The most important thing we can do is to guard our heart. But here's the trick. This is what we also don't pick up in Hebrew scripture. Lost in translation of the scripture from Hebrew to English is this implication that's hidden in this verse, in verse chapter 23, that guarding your heart isn't just a one-time thing. It's not like constructing like a wall or, or, or fortifying one time and then we're done. It's like this ongoing, ongoing, with, with diligence, this guarding of it. It never, never stops. It's not a guard at once, never it again. It's a continual thing. Ben, why don't you come up and help me out? Here's the implication of this lesson. Some of y'all might not know, uh, but I used to tinker around with the guitar a little bit. Um, This was uh, one of my favorite Christmas gifts, right here, this sweet Epiphone. It's really old, and it's not a a high-quality instrument. But I wanted to learn how to play the guitar for a bit, and so um, I started off... With self-teaching myself, this was before. Check this out. This was before the era of YouTube. Now, if you want to learn how to play the guitar, you go on YouTube, and there's a whole series of lessons, y'all. I don't want to. I don't want to give you any spoilers, but I grew up without YouTube. I mean, crazy, right, Ben? So crazy, right? Crazy. So um, I had one like this lesson book, and I was teaching myself the scales learning some chords to some country music and worship songs, because those are the easiest ones to play. But here's the implication of this ongoing keeping of it. The the implication is like this, that our hearts are like a musical instrument. And, if you know about a musical instrument, or if you've, you've played, maybe you had band class in middle school, you realize that the first thing that you do when you play a musical instrument is you get the thing in tune. You make sure that It's all tuned up. But you can't just do that once. You can't just get it in tune and then put it on a shelf and walk away because if you do that, then the instrument goes out of tune. So I literally have not picked this thing up. I don't know. I think Ben was the last one to pick it up, and I think he tuned it like, when was that, six months ago? It was a long time ago. So here's what we're going to do. Ben plays his instrument every single day. It's always in tune. He's constantly keeping it in tune. Ben, why don't you play the uh, the G chord, please? You see how nice that sounds. Now, here, hold on. All right, how about D? All right. Why y'all laughing? Why y'all laughing? How about an A, buddy? Give me an A. Oh, oh, hey now. All right, thank you. Ben, can you thank Ben for his help on this morning? This thing hasn't been touched. At one time, it was in tune. It, it, it was tuned up. But it hasn't been touched for three months, four months, five months, six months. Ben's instrument tuned every day. Our hearts are like that. They can be tuned up right with God, but then we neglect them, we stop guarding them, and they start to get out of tune. They start to stray. And so the, book, the writer of the book of Proverbs says, with urgency, above anything else, more important than anything else, guard your heart. Because your heart according to the bible is not just an organ in your body it's not just a place where like you have feelings and emotions i heart you our hearts are the source of everything we do the language of the scripture is that life flows out of our hearts from our hearts flows the springs of life it, they're using the image of like a natural spring if you've ever if you've ever been somewhere where there's this natural spring, you can witness this happening. You know, it, it bubbles up. The, the water bubbles up from the earth and forms this pool at the surface of the water. And sometimes it runs off into creeks or into streams. And if you wanted to, what you could do is you could find the source of that stream and you could like plug it up. You could, you could plug that that thing up. And if you would do that, you know, the water up top would become stagnant. It would stop to flow, might become poison, and and in fact, might even become toxic a little bit to, to the rest of life. And so the implication is, is that if our hearts are left unguarded and they become unhealthy, everything else in our body, because life flows from our heart, everything else in our body that flow, where that heart that, that heart is pumping life to, that also will become unhealthy as well. In fact, Proverbs chapter 14 verse 30 says this, "I love this: A heart at peace gives life to the body." envy rots the bones. So remember the heart is the source, life flows out of it. So if our heart is full of anger, it's full of bitterness, it will flow out from the source of our life and it will affect the rest of our life. And so if our heart, remember the heart is the source, if the heart is full of fear, it'll flow out from that source and it will begin to affect the rest of our life. If If our heart has become corrupted by sin, it will flow out from that source and it will affect the rest of our life. And so the heart is the source of our life. And if that source becomes toxic, if the source becomes corrupted, our life will become toxic as well. So Proverbs says, more important than anything else, guard it. Guard it protect it. And the implication here is that, like, we are actively trying to be corrupted. That, like, daily, we have to guard and we have to protect our heart because there's another force at work in the world that wants to corrupt, that wants to corrupt us. And my concern is, is that I feel like many of us are oblivious to that reality. I think sometimes we deceive ourselves into believing that we live in like this neutral space. But really, we live in this contested space, and there's two paths. There's the path of wisdom that leads to life, and there's the path of foolishness. And the path of foolishness is tugging on our hearts and trying to lead us and pull us away. And we see this throughout Scripture. I mean... Throughout scripture is the story of people's hearts becoming corrupted by foolishness. So much to the point that by Genesis chapter 6, six chapters into the story of the Bible, we read the words that said that the Lord saw that every imagination and thoughts of humanity's hearts were evil and only evil continually. Our hearts... Our source had become corrupted. You flip forward some more in the pages of Scripture, and you get to a guy by the name of Saul. And Saul was raised up to be king over Israel, and Saul had promised, but then he failed, and he wasn't true to God. So then God called on Samuel the prophet, and Samuel the prophet came to him and said, Saul, it's all over. God's going to take your kingdom away from you. And we read in 1 Samuel chapter 13, Samuel saying these words to Saul, Your kingdom shall not continue. The Lord is looking for someone after his own heart. So God raised up David to be king, and David had a good run for a while. In fact, he was even characterized as a man after the Lord's own heart. But then David got tripped up by Bathsheba, and David failed, and Solomon came after him, and Solomon was good and wise. But in 1 Kings chapter 11, we read, When Solomon was old, his wives turned his heart away after other gods, and his heart was not true to the Lord. Listen, the evil one doesn't just go after our head, the evil one isn't primarily concerned with our hands. Evil is coming for our hearts. Because evil knows what we fail to realize often, which is our hearts are the source of our life. And if the source of our life becomes corrupted, everything else will become corrupted as well. Pretty soon, if our hearts are infected enough, we begin so, to go, to go so far down the path of foolishness that the way we view the world begins to change to the point where we accept things as normal that are just not normal as all, at all, and we call things weird, which have always intended to be normal. I have this, this image I want to show you, which is kind of like a chart, right? This is what we begin to believe, and I'll, I'll read it for you. Spending hours monitoring your fantasy sports team, that's totally normal. Binge-watching entire seasons of TV shows on weekend on the weekend, totally normal. Saving and spending thousands of dollars on holidays, that's smart. Working out an hour a day, totally normal. Getting up early to seek God, I'm not a morning person. Disciplining your lifestyle, man, that sounds like legalism having a culture where you use the margin in your life to seek God, that's fundamentalism. What is this? This is the source of our hearts. Our hearts have become corrupted. But the writer of the Proverbs knew better, so this is what he said. He said, above anything else, more important than anything else, guard, protect your heart, because you're daily being seduced to think otherwise. So I think one of the ways that we can really be proactive about seeing to it that we guard our hearts, that we create a culture where the source of our life is more important than anything else, Uh, and and to take my cues from, like, wellness exams or child checkups, like when, when, when 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 we have children and we take them to the doctor's office, they have to go every single year. And every single year when they go to the doctor, the doctor, like, examines them, you know, takes their height, and their weight, does some other crazy things, you know, has them lay down, and I, I don't know what all is going on there, looks in the eyes, and the ears, and the nose, and the mouth, that whole thing. There's shots that are regularly given and administered. There's, like, these wellness exams and these checkups, but when we become adults, like, we don't want to submit to that. Like, we don't go every year for a physical until, like, we have to go for, like, those ones that we just absolutely dread, but, like, the landmark physicals. We, we don't, We don't do that. But I think that there is a beauty in spiritual examination. Like submitting as a regular part of our discipleship to a process of examination. One of the historical leaders of our faith tradition was a guy by the name of John Wesley. And John Wesley was brilliant with this. He would gather people together in small little clusters... And they would meet weekly. And the first question that would be asked is this How is it with your soul? How is it with your soul? And what was he asking? He was essentially asking, How's your heart? How's your heart? Because he knew, he understood that the heart is our source of life. And if the heart becomes corrupted, the rest of the body will become corrupted as well. And so if I could encourage you, my encouragement to you, it is on an individual and a personal level, daily, take some time and pause and ask yourself, how is it with my soul? How's my heart? And if it's not well, be honest about it. It's not well. The first step towards making it well is to realize the ways that our heart has been corrupted. That the source of our life has been taken over. On a daily level, do that. But we can't do it by ourselves. So my encouragement for you is to also find some like-minded people. And within the the context of a like-minded relationship, begin to foster relationships where you can come together. And over text message or or face-to-face in person over a meal... You can just look each other in the eye. And you can say like a modern day version of how is it with your soul. might be kind of creepy if you let off with how is it with your soul. But you know what you could say? How's your heart? How's your heart? If you're looking for those environments, our church is continuing to further push into those directions. We have classes on Sunday mornings that are a great place to start. Another great place to start are Tables, community tables throughout the community. And at these tables or at these Sunday school classes, you're not going to be asked these questions right away, but you will meet people. And you'll meet people who you'll be begin to develop a bond and a relationship with to the point where months down the road you can say, how's your heart? But the second is this. I believe, I firmly believe that the best defense against a heart being corrupted is, is not just to be focused on Creating layers and boundaries, but to in fact, like engage in the offensive, the movement of God in this world. And here's a good way to do that. I want to show you this this pyramid. What I've called the wisdom pyramid. And so this is kind of like this is based off of like when the food groups were in a period pyramid, and this is what you're supposed to eat. This is the wisdom pyramid. So this means, like, this is what we should be ingesting the most. And as you get to the top of the pyramid, what we should be ingesting the least. So the most that we should be taking in is the Bible. That's our daily bread. Local church tradition is next to that. So this is time-tested theology, wise people in Christian history. The next rung up, or the smaller layer, is nature and beauty. For some of you, this is like this is where your soul or your heart really is put at rest. One step above that, not in importance, but a smaller amount is books. Um, and here, listen: more old books than new books. Great books, not like Christian fad books. All right, moving up, a smaller amount of the internet. And then like the least amount, social media. On a personal level, I've I found that there is no greater corruption to a life, to a heart. No greater corruption than the tools of social media which cause envy and jealousy and anger. Some of y'all getting way too angry on Facebook. Anger and pride. Like, consider how well it would be with your soul and your heart if the amount of time that we spent thumbing and browsing through garbage was spent saturated in the Word of God or in the great Christian history that's been handed down to us. So the best way to see to it that your heart is guarded, that you're protecting your heart, is to get on the offensive. And it's to say, you know what, I'm flipping this pyramid over to where I spend way more time in these other areas.